This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Auto Man, episodes 8 and 9. Man, you got trouble. I mean, you got a whole lot of trouble. Well, if I were you, I wouldn't mess up the best chance you got of getting your friend Chico back in one piece. Yeah? Well, who's gonna spring him? Look, I got a friend on that chain gang, too. And I've also got a plan that'll get them both out. Yeah, well, we have a few plans of our own. We're gonna blow that place to hell and gone. You go in shooting, and all of you, including Chico, are gonna wind up dead. You follow me, and you won't have to fire a shot. Now, why would anybody want to follow you? Rules of the road. The best biker always leads the other. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast about dirty cops and the mob in the 1980s. (laughs) I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You don't need to be human to want to get down and boogie. Is that true? Do you think? Actually, I disagree. I think you need to be human to want to get down and boogie. Well, uh, we're joined by a guest who may have an opinion on when you should get down and boogie. Joining us today is Steve from the Androids and Assets podcast. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. But can I say, Luke, Jordan, you have broken me. I, I am a shell. <laughs> because of Auto Man? Who I use, yeah, who I used to be. I've, I've been attempting to extract like meaning from Auto Man. Can, and, can I assume and, you're so upset because you see how awesome Auto Man is and you realize you will never achieve his greatness because he's an 11 out of 10? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm deeply jealous of Auto Man. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, I'm sorry that this got into your brain, but it's not going to leave now. Once Auto Man's there, he's no. there for life. It's it's in there, but I, I've been on a journey these past few days. Uh, <laughs> well, before we get into Auto Man, uh, usually when we have a new guest, we like to find out kind of what their history with science fiction TV is. Uh, since you run a sci-fi podcast looking at, amongst other things, DS9, but also a few books and things, I assume you have a sci-fi background. Yeah, I mean, you know, watch, watch Star Trek on my dad's lap as a kid. You know, and, uh, <laughs> that was the introduction yeah 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 yeah. i remember remember watching sitting on my dad's lap during the opening to tng and he would like when the ship came flew with the screen in the opening bit there we'd like duck out of the way you know <laughs> like, oh that's so fun yeah they get out yeah so yeah, a lot of a lot of fond memories of of star trek and uh you know what i like that's and, your memory my memory is of watching star trek and my dad coming to the room and saying none of this is real that's what I remember my dad telling me. <laughs> <laughs> different parenting styles. Different yeah. parenting styles. <laughs> oh, yeah. dear. Well, I, I'm going to assume, Steve, going into this, you had never heard of Auto Man before. Part of me, like, as I was watching it, was like, oh, this this feels familiar. But I don't know if it's just like, it's just like, you know, like that. The, the, if it's the Glenn Larson experience. Well, that's what was my next getting. question. Are you yeah. you're aware of Glenn Larson? <laughs> oh yeah, my Magnum. My, my my mother-in-law is watching rewatching Magnum PI right now. Um, so that's Glenn Larson, right? Is he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah, but like you know, just like that uh, that whole style and feel. Does, so, yeah. Does I, I've never seen Magnum PI. Does Magnum PI feel like Auto Man? <laughs> I mean, I and I don't know if this is just like filming conventions at the time. Right. Or if it's like, I don't know what's what's Glenn Larson and what's just like late 70s, early 80s. 
I can't I can't disentangle. <laughs> but like, you know, the thing where like the static camera following the cars. Right, right. You know, like like there's, there's like you talk about in the first in the pilot episode but like like the plane lands and the cars drive up and the people get out of the car. People get out of the, <laughs> There's a lot of that in Magnum PI, which is like oh, man gets in a car. And Magnum PI is always out. sticking his finger into an electric yeah. socket, right? Yeah. Yes, he's all in and, and orgasming. Yeah, yeah, right. Good. Good, good. So it's yeah. very similar. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, let's not delay too long, I guess. Shall we get into these episodes, you guys? Yeah, I'm excited to do some dirt biking. (laughs) Here is the IMDb summary for Episode 8, Renegade Run. Crooked Sheriff Horton tries to force biker Chico Fuentes to sign over half his land so the sheriff can run illegal immigrants over the border. Fuentes is put in jail and forced into manual labor. Auto Man and a motorcycle gang have to come to the rescue. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, we know that Chico is kind of a member of the lamest motorbike gang ever, and he dresses like Bruce Springsteen circa 1984. <laughs> and then Sheriff Horton. Luke, did you recognize who that was? I did not. So it's Richard Lynch, who's in a bunch of movies in the 70s, like The 7-Ups, and uh, he also played... Do you remember that two-parter in TNG, where Picard has to pretend he's like a, a smuggler or something, and the guy's name is Baron, and he's like, it's like, is Picard going to become a bad guy? He's in that, but more importantly, he was Commander Xavier in Galactica 1980, another Glenn uh, A. Larson show. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't recognize his weird-looking face? No recollection. Hmm. <laughs> but... We do get to meet him right away here because what how this starts is old uh, Chico is in a classic motorcycle v cop chase. There he's like jumping over bridges. It's a real uh, Dukes of Hazard style chase, and uh, uh, the sheriff Horton finally pulls him over with a bunch of deputies with shotguns, and they basically are insisting that Chico sign over like half his dead parents' land to the sheriff, or they'll like blow him away in the middle of the street, uh, which Chico's fine with. Um, but the sheriff then threatens to go after his sister if he doesn't sign. And Chico kind of gives in at that point. And uh, the sheriff's relationship to Chico's sister for the rest of the episode is going to be very disturbing. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit rapey. But I think even, you know, we're going to get into this. A little it, bit? It, a little bit rapey. Um, we're going to get into the, this uh, as we go. But I don't know if the sheriff's overall plan makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it seem like there's a lot easier ways of accomplishing what he's trying to accomplish? As far as I can tell, his plan is to get free home renovation labor. Yeah. Like, is is he committing, like, multiple felonies just to get, like, a, a breakfast nook? That's basically it. Yeah. And my big question, because this is the whole jumping off point, is, like, he wants... This, this Fuente's land and he's gonna like in the next scene one of his sheriffs like will go to LA and like threaten the sister and smack her around until she also signs her half away I have no idea what he's doing with their land it never comes back up I don't know why he wants it what he's doing with it that's the point that that seems like an extra step so he needs their land because their land is on the border and he is bringing illegal immigrants across the border through their land secretly so that he can make them work that's the point but it's like you don't need to own the land to bring them across the border. But he, apparently he thinks he, de- he, he's, he wants to as close to legitimately purchase this land as possible so that he could do something illegal. Uh, a classic Ottoman trait, though, I guess. Just like the most convoluted schemes possible to get to the yeah. like final point. 
how Auto Man comes into this though is Wally apparently used to go to university or college with uh, with Terry Fuentes, the uh, the sister. Mm-hmm. And they're planning to get back together, and like she maybe had some hand in the creation of Auto Man. It's unclear, <laughs> but Wally has planned it on uh, Auto Man's reprogramming day, and he's none too happy about it. I like though that they have on this show they have the the captain character they have the jack character the lieutenant they have uh roxanne they have wally and automan so it's a, it's a pretty decent sized cast of five main characters but only wally and automan ever really get anything to do so every episode there has to be an old friend of wally's that shows up to to push the plot forward and it's like you have all these other characters you could use it's like no no this time it's terry fuentes last time it was his buddy that uh was in cop school and then before that it was a lady who was married to someone's dad it's like oh enough just use poor roxanne she's just walking around the office with files (laughs) i mean you're not wrong roxanne gets very little to do and she'll get even less in this episode because basically wally meets up with terry she explains that she got beat up and someone's after her land and was like all right well why don't i come to arizona with you to help you sort it out Maybe if I talk to them, like, there's a, there's a real idea in this episode that, like, if I talk to them cop to cop, certainly they'll listen to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if that's unreasonable. I, I mean, it doesn't work, but I, I can see, where, I guess, where it's coming from. You can, you can see the, the Brotherhood of Police is a thing. It's true. I'm not not in Bishop, Arizona, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, the idea of arresting an LAPD officer seems crazy. Like, especially if you're, again, trying to hide this aforementioned criminal syndicate it is true they seem uh, the sheriff seems very high up on his power nobody's gonna get in his way (laughs) i do like though because so while he's like i'm going to arizona this weekend and auto man's so excited to go with him and then when he's like auto man you're not invited auto man like is just pouting the entire time and he says if you don't hear from me from monday on by monday you can come to arizona (laughs) so this kind of buys us a little time to get to wally in trouble which he does as we've mentioned he goes goes to arizona Tries to talk to the cop, not interested in talking to him. They, cop then pulls him over and finds, like, they plant drugs in his car. And it's just like, you're now both arrested and you're going to work on my manual. Like, you're you're arrested, you're not convicted. But once you're arrested, you have to go work on my, I guess, chain gang that rebuilds my house. And there's clearly a lot of work that needs to be done on this house. Because there's got to be like 20 people working on it. And they, I don't know, did these people have these home building skills ahead of time? Like one, one guy's gardening, one guy's putting up a roof, one guy's drywalling. It's a good question. And I, I was wondering too about the idea of these illegal immigrants that are also supposedly helping build these houses. You only ever see the convicts. I think those are all the illegal immigrants. I think he's brought them over and he's just, I, it doesn't really make sense. He's made he's them prisoners. dressed them all in jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They're all criminals to him. Well, they went across the border illegally through the land that he's just purchased by fake signatures. <laughs> I mean, that's the one good part they find out when they get to Arizona. Apparently that uh, contract they signed is never going to hold up in a court of law because both Terry and uh, and Chico put fake middle names on. <laughs> okay, I have a question for that. I'm not a lawyer. Steve, Luke, if you put the wrong middle name on a, on a form, you sign it, but it's your legitimate signature. Does that make it null and void? That contract is null and void because it's made under duress. Yeah, that's the bigger problem, probably. Um, I would say that that would be the, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know. Again, not a lawyer. Uh, my middle name is Alexander. So if I wrote, instead of Jordan, I put J. Alexander, I think it still works. Now, the whole duress oh, yeah. aside. So I don't understand. Or if I'd put, 
uh, uh, Jordan David. What, what does it matter? I still signed it. I think it would help in the case making the duress case because you would be like you be so you would go to the court and you'd be like, "Is this your signature?" And be like, "No, it's like that is my signature, but I I signed the wrong middle name to signal my distress." Hmm. Right. Um, like, and so you would like that could be like that then becomes like I think it is like good to like do something to tamper with it, and then you can point to. I would have put my name and then in brackets, wink, wink, and then they'd know. <laughs> they'd yeah. know. Like I'm like they when they when they read it, they go, oh, he's winking, so he doesn't really mean it. My thought was just like, there's no way the sheriff isn't in bed with whatever judge runs this county, so this is going through no matter what. <laughs> this seems to be a deeply corrupt part of the world. For this show, which we've said before, at sometimes is almost a kid's show, and then other times is very adult, and those two tones don't always mix terribly well. The scene where the, like, Hood comes in and pushes Terry down to get her signature, I thought was so aggressive and adult in a show that is so silly. It's just like, I'm like, is he going to murder her now? No, he's just getting a signature very aggressively. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a... (laughs) There have been now two home invasions on this show that have been quite dark, actually. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the Ottoman secret. Occasional, like, terrifying home invasion. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Monday finally rolls around, and uh, Wally doesn't show up to work. So Ottoman's like, I better go find out what's happening. So he, he obviously appears at the LAPD to check the uh, police computers. I, I mean, it's unclear as to why he has to show up in person, but he does. Finds the arrest, the arrest for uh, form for old uh, Wally, and uh, almost gets caught, of course, by uh, Lieutenant Davis. Davis, Lieutenant uh, Curtis, and uh, Captain Boyd as he's like poking around the computers. But if Auto Man's almost caught at work, Jordan, what does that mean? He just turns into Auto Man, the FBI agent, which we've seen more than we've actually seen him as Auto Man. Agent Otto, he's back. Yeah, he's back every episode. Trusted FBI man. Which makes sense if it's a federal computer, that there would be a, an FBI attache. An FBI guy around? That does make yeah. sense. Do you think he's still working for the Bureau of Psychic Investigation? <laughs> that was only for one episode. <laughs> There's one thing I want to mention, and it was only really amusing to me, but when Wally goes to see, what's her name, Terry? Yes. To see Terry, I like that she's all like really dressed up like they're going to go somewhere fancy. And then she's, you know, he's like, what's wrong? And she goes, Chico's in trouble. And he goes, your brother Chico? And I want to be like, of course, Wally. No, no, another Chico. Of course it's her brother. Anyways, he's just stupid. Wally, Wally's not the fastest. No. Fastest. However. What is, what's the phrase? He's, uh, there's lots of them. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, there's lots of idioms. Fastest knife in the drawer. He's not the fastest knife in the drawer. There's one thing I'm going to mention, though. In these two episodes, we're going to see that apparently um, Wally knows martial arts, which we've never seen before. He's throwing kicks and punches like no one's business. No, uh, Wally certainly is a real badass in these two episodes. Yeah, because in the previous episodes, he couldn't fight at all. And uh, he's doing, like, drop kicks and stuff. Anyways, as you were. <laughs> yes, at any rate, now the LAPD knows Wally's apparently in trouble in Arizona. So they're, they're going to send Lieutenant Curtis down there with uh, Agent Auto Man to, uh, <laughs> to check up on uh, Wally. And it's the first time we get to see someone who's not Wally riding the auto car. And uh, it's very funny. They make uh, they make that poor old actor uh, slam his face into the side of the car. I, yeah. Steve's doing a great mime job of it right now. You can't see this listener, but it's perfect. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. When you're driving the auto car, or I shouldn't say when, when Auto Man is driving the auto car, does he have to make those 90-degree turns? 
Like, I get it if they're in a hot pursuit and there's no second to waste, but if they're just driving somewhere, do you have to? Why don't you just make a normal left turn? Or is it that he actually can't physically make any turns other than 90 degree angles? Yeah, I would say because he has, technically, the auto car has no mass. So if he wanted to, if he wanted to do a parabolic, like transformation, like of the, of the vehicle, <laughs> then he would need to then algorithmic. He would need to calculate and and exert that force. I disagree, um, though, that it doesn't have mass. I think it because they they mentioned and they explained it quite scientifically in the pilot. Yeah, he's a hologram with density. No, but he 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 adjusts his mass. Oh, I right? see. So so the so the issue is that he can. So that's that's why he has intermittent intangibility so i would say the auto car's only mass is the mass that exists in this the whatever alternate dimension you go into when you're inside of auto man or the auto car when you enter his dimension yeah you enter yeah so you there would be the displaced volume of the inside of the auto car which is obviously sublimated to another plane of existence and then the only mass existing would be at the points of contact where the so-called wheels are um so really, the only inconsistency in Auto Man is that Auto Man himself should only be able to make 90-degree turns when he walks around. Yeah, because that means Auto Man has to then be simulating, when he's not corporeal, has to be simulating, yes, the behavior of the air acting <laughs> on him. Like, and imagine doing that for his hair and the computational power that would involve. <laughs> it. <laughs> you're just sitting there doing math as you're watching, just trying to figure out the equations it would take to get here. I don't know that kind of physics, but I will say like that, you know, like I would say like, yeah, very clearly the law of conservation. No, not the law of conservation of mass. Um, well, I guess the principle of angular momentum does not apply. To Auto Man. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Speaking of entering Auto Man, isn't it uh, crazy, though, that we haven't got one shot of when Wally goes into Auto Man? We don't get to see what it looks like to him. Like, do you think he just is looking out of Auto Man's eyes? He's like, it's a perfect fit. Or do you think it's like a, a Tony Stark thing where he can kind of see like a little bit of the, you know, <laughs> a little bit of the inside of Auto Man's skull and there's like graphics and stuff? He gets the heads up display with how many missiles he has. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The little shield bar. <laughs> do, 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 no, do, what do, it is, is it's just no. Cursor talking to him and he's just ranking women. <laughs> Cursor. Yeah. I am surprised we haven't got to see inside the hologram realm. We're going to see him hanging out with Pac-Man, getting in a fight with his neighbor, Donkey Kong. I think there are legal reasons. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They'd have to have the knockoffs, just like all the music in this show, which are just covers of songs that you know. It'd have to be like, it's Pac-Mon. I'm like, that's close. We're going to get to music. Yeah, 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 that's that's all next episode. Um, In this one, though, we're we're getting to Arizona and um, essentially... They're trying to figure out how to talk to this guy. And Auto Man's driving them there. He's running out of power. He's just like, what? Like, I need to drop Lieutenant Curtis off so I can go find some, like, power plant to, like, drain all the power out of. And there's a there's this moment where they're like, is this going to be some tension? Is, is Lieutenant Curtis going to find out about Auto Man? But no, don't worry. He's not going to. He's just going to attempt to go talk to the sheriff. And Lieutenant Curtis gets no further with the sheriff than, Otto, than uh, Wally did before him. And... The sheriff is, like, a little annoyed to have all these cops poking around because, obviously, he's, you know, using prisoners and uh, illegal immigrants to build his home. But he's also been getting calls from the governor's office. Apparently, they need to send someone down soon from the appropriations committee because, like, people at the office are very worried about how the spending's going. (laughs) Well, this is the crazy thing because he, with his chain gangs, is supposed to be doing municipal works projects, which – and he's doing the home renovations – in lieu of the road maintenance. 
<laughs> so I guess he's, right. so that's the thing. He's he's getting this uh, what I guess was state funded money to do municipal works, but he's using that to build his house. Like, there's no way this is a long term plan. Like, someone was going to catch him, no matter how many properties he buys or whatever he's going to do. There's no way this misappropriated money is not going to be caught. I wasn't sure if it was specifically that or because he's so busy with his house, they just are not spending the money properly. Like, he's just not paying attention to the police budget at all. I wasn't sure if it was which one it was. I think probably uh, maybe a little of both. Because at some point, I think when he finds out they're going to come, he asks them to come in two weeks. And they the state, the governor's board seems like to understand what's happened in town. Because they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you two weeks. And he turns to one of his, uh, share, his deputies and he's like, hey, how many uh, municipal works have we started? And the guy's like, none. He's like, mm, that's a problem. <laughs> but you know what's funny about it? They have two weeks, right? You think he could put his house building on hold. He's like, no, no, no. Faster. We got to finish the house and then we'll get to other stuff. But it's like, just at least for the next two weeks, do things above board. Well, there's this brief moment where he's just like, all right, send all of the send the illegals back over the border. Get the chain gangs working on that bridge that's broken. Because we do see like at some point after Automan uh, gets his power back, he drops in because he, he drove by and saw Wally working on this chain gang on this bridge. And he oh, pops in to get, to, you know, for Wally to give him the like scoop on what's happening here, which is uh, Wally's advice is get that get that person from the governor's office down here sooner because they won't have a chance to do all these municipal works projects, though. The best part about that scene is, uh, you know, as is common in Auto Man, Auto Man needs to change into a new costume in order to hide in plain sight. And mm-hmm. in this case, he he disguises himself as a sheriff's deputy so he can walk amongst the work crew. And uh, so one of the other sheriff's deputies spots him and doesn't immediately recognize him, but was expecting reinforcements to come. And he's just like, but he does. He's like, hey, sir. And I think he's the first character to maybe say this, maybe the second. But he's just like, I noticed your collar is glowing blue. Uh, what is up with that? Yeah, Steve, did you catch what he the reason he gave? The, like, is that you say that like that's classified radiation, radiation poisoning? Yeah, it's radiation poisoning. Which, by the way, yeah. I like that everyone seems not horrified oh. at that. They're all just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, radiation that thing we that thing that people just have sometimes. What about those uh, radiating postules you have all over your body? Oh, that's also radiation poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, when Chernobyl. <laughs> Uh, that was 87, I believe. Yes, so it isn't, hasn't even happened yet. No. So it got, it got, what you're yeah. saying is that that guy got less funny in 1987? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up to that point, it was gold. Well, because, you know, really it was before that, other than like the U.S. Army reactor in the 50s, there really hadn't been a, a, a nuclear disaster. That is true. You just become the Hulk. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sad. Like, I mean, you, you, you guys live in Ontario. Like, what's the... They got two nuclear reactors out there. Very safe. Never had a problem. Well, there was that anyway. one time they sent that false alarm that it was melting down. <laughs> yeah, but it was a false alarm. It was fine. It was just a hot <laughs> just... hour for a minute. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm a, I'm a really pro nuclear guy. I'll, I'll get I'll get the politics out of. <laughs> so you're you're just mad that they were bad mouthing uh, a nuclear power by saying radiation poisoning created on yeah, yeah. collar. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Exactly. That's my that's my problem with it. Um. I do want to say like that at this time. So in Arizona, there actually is a real problem uh, that's happening, which is something that there, a group starts in Arizona called the civilian assist, the civilian military assistance. Oh, no, uh, no. Which is, yeah, which is a militia, which is a militia that forms to patrol and defend the border from, from Mexican migration. Um, so these people go out with guns and try to, 
walk around the border hoping they can shoot at. I don't understand. What's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... I kid. Yeah, so... The, the yeah so i think like you know this is a long so there's a long-standing problem of i think like misconduct on the border and mistreatment and general and arizona being one of the worst states and for, so you're pretty sure this ottoman episode is commenting on that i i doubt it. i very much <laughs> doubt it that it's it's not consciously uh, doing that anyway other than i think just like alluding to i think there's a perception that arizona has border troubles Yes, and yes. then I think like like, and I that I don't think there's a, a deeper analysis. I mean, it is the problem with Automan is it to- it toes this line where you're like, oh, you're almost commenting on something, but you don't get it. Like it's its relationship to police in general is like they can in the show they'll both be villains, but also like the good guys, and they can't they don't like they don't see any contrast with these problems at all. Well, but that's that's an interesting thing that you both sort of allude to. Is that Auto Man really, whether it's Glenn A. Larson or whoever's writing it or the other people involved, there's no desire to comment on anything in this show. That's just not what this show is. It is interesting that you're right, Luke. They've brought up things like police corruption and uh, maybe border issues and other uh, sort of topics where you think you could they could they have a point. I think the point is they don't have a point at all. They're just like, it's just something to get the plot going. And that maybe is a little bit because of the time the show is on, but I also think it's just the type of show they're making. They don't want you to think about anything. Like, you're not supposed to think about any deeper issues. The point is, how long are we going to take for Automan shows up in a wacky costume and saves the day in a wacky way? Can we get you 45 minutes closer to death? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and the answer for this show is always definitely yes. <laughs> uh, it's about this time. I would say we're probably half an hour into this show. Maybe not quite half an hour. But around that point... This renegade biker gang that they've been teasing all episode finally rolls into town. They're actually called the Renegades. Yes. And they're driving down Main Street, literally jumping cars (laughs) on Main Street. I just love kind of further to our point of, you know, this show doesn't really want to do too much research or make a point. It's like uh, it was written in some ways by an alien who's like, yeah, yeah, biker gangs. I know what those are like. And they just have people on motorbikes. But you don't ever get a sense there's any sort of realism or even the slightest bit of research being done in this. It's just guys on motorbikes. You don't get a a feeling there's a culture behind this or there's an, uh, an ideology at all. It's just guys on bikes. That's it. What do they do? They do tricks. Can we talk about Automan's gang? The Automaniacs. (laughs) (laughs) He makes himself a a leather jacket with a patch. This is what I was going to say is the reason probably the bikers even show up is so that Automan can do another costume change. Yeah. And I think this is his third or fourth time where he's branded his change. He's he had auto jeans in one episode. He's had um, a name tag that I think just said auto man. And I know he's had now his jacket that's Automaniacs. Is there any more Luke? He loves branding himself. I mean, it's it's a new it's a new phenomenon for Automan. I did like the uh, the biker gang, the Automaniacs, though. I feel like that would inspire terror. <laughs> and we also get a new auto vehicle. He makes the auto bike for the first time. Yeah, I feel like they stayed away from the auto bike so that uh, Glenn A. Larson wouldn't get sued for clearly ripping off Tron. But here we are. We finally get the bike. <laughs> it's very different from the Tron bike. Um, it's a. It's not. You know, it's, it's not as sleek as little box yeah. yeah 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 i wouldn't say it's I mean, very different than the tron bike no fair enough <laughs> i would say it's slightly it, different it's not exactly the same <laughs> it's <laughs> legally distinct enough yeah exactly 
I, I do want to raise one point. This, this is a biker gang, but they yes. ride dirt bikes. Yes. Like, they don't actually ride, like... Harleys. Real motorcycles. Yeah, they don't ride hogs. These are very, like, small... And, like, the kind of thing that I think would deeply insult a person you do not want to insult. <laughs> <laughs> You're Type saying biker. the bikers at home tuning into Auto Man were furious at this episode. <laughs> Would they not be more furious that Automan's version of someone that uh, isn't a biker gang? He's dressed like Marlon Brando in like the Wild One. His like it, it seems even from 1984 to be uh, wildly anachronistic to the time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is b- the bizarre thing they've decided with Automan is that whenever he has to go undercover as someone, he should be the 40s version of that person. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's also because they do make a point to this in the show that Automan learns everything about culture from movies. Right, so he's just watching like like there's one point where like Walter's like feeding VHSs mm-hmm. yes, yes. into him and then when he puts them on they play in his chest. And then I, I don't know how he watches them, he looks <laughs> looks down. I don't know. It's it's just so everyone else can see what Auto Man's watching, which sometimes is embarrassing for him when he's watching something a little risque. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's that's also partially why like he 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 is a movie tr- he embodies movie tropes because that is He's just a big movie buff. He loves the classics. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but that would work, but people don't call him on it. It's not like he, like, there could be a scene where he shows up to this biker gang and he's dressed, you know, from the 1950s and they're like, what are you supposed to be? Like, there could have been a scene there, but everyone's just like, no, he's, it all checks out to me. This this is not a pastiche. This is cool. (laughs) (laughs) He does know, I have to say this, we're going to learn, he does know the rules of the road though, so he did pick up something from his VHS tapes. (laughs) The best biker is the leader. <laughs> so crazy. Because this is what kind of happens here is the sheriff comes up with this like plan that I couldn't make heads or tails of to deal with the bikers. But essentially, he's just like, I know the bikers will go to the only bar in town where they only serve you outside. And I'm going to call that bar up and just tell them to get the bikers really drunk. So when they come to rescue Chico, I can then use the chaos to kill Wally and Chico in the jailbreak attempt. Is that his plan? Yeah, but I'm just like, you could do that without them being drunk. I don't understand why. No, I didn't even catch that. Well, he just calls up, because he calls up this bar and talks to, like, like, Miss Judy or something and says, just give them as much booze as you can. And my favorite part is Miss Judy comes out and she's just like, we're having a special today. Beer's on the house. (laughs) Yeah, that is a special. That's a very good special. Also, it gives you might not have caught it because it's deep background ADR, but the leader of the biker gang, when she tells him beers on the house, he then stands on his chair outside of the bar, looks up on the roof and says, I don't see anything up there. What? Yeah, that there. It's like deep back ADR as they're talking. But you can see the, the leader of the biker gang stand on a chair, look on the roof and you can hear him say, I don't see anything up there when she says the beers on the house because mm. he thinks it's literally on the house. Mm. He's got a learning disability. Auto Man, it's got it all. It's got it all. <laughs> anyway, this is when Auto Man shows up because he has come up with a plan, and that is, as you mentioned, uh, we all know how biker gangs work. If you can beat the leader in a ride-off, you get to be the leader of the biker gang. Yeah, he says, I know rules of the road. The best biker always leads, and they're all like, he is right. That is the rules of the road. So then he has his, oh, but I like that he comes in for, with his auto bike and immediately they're like, that's a racing bike. You can't use that. He's like, oh, okay. I guess I'll also use a dirt bike. So I don't know why they even bothered having the auto bike. It was just, it went with the outfit. And then we have 
what uh, I know, Luke, what you're going to say, but in my memory, it was about a 45 minute uh, uh, racing scene of them jumping over things that just seemed like it was designed to just waste as much time as possible to a bad cover of Born to be Wild. <laughs> uh, I'll see. See, uh, what, Steve, do you remember the there's there's three stunts Otto Man tries to beat him yeah. in? Do you yeah. remember? First what the... they, yeah. So first they jump over the moving truck, a moving truck. But, very but they shoot it in such a way they do it twice. And the first time. It's very clear that the truck is still when they jump it. Um, so it's just like it's just like very obviously like they have the car set up on the road and they're just parked. I mean, that is one of my favorite parts is there's all this like wide shots of motorcycles driving down roads, cutting to close ups of Auto Man just clearly sitting still, pretending like like just like swaying back and forth, like I'm driving a bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they and then they have to like ride on the back wheel on a rail. Yes, you get up on a guy. Um, what is it called? Like yeah, guide, a guide a guide rail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Anyway, yeah. They so they have to ride like on a on a rail. And like the and leader has they, no problem. He does all of these things like they're nothing. Yeah. yeah, and then in the end they have to jump over a lake, and the leader, the the rent the renegades vice commander, because Chico's the leader, obviously. Right, right. But um, but his 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 cap his lieutenant uh, crashes into the lake, rendering Auto Man the. Uh, now, being have again having the ability to alter your mass, uh, tremendously advantageous in a in a bike jumping competition. I watched that, and I'm going to argue that jumping over a pond was the easiest of those three things to do. Um, <laughs> so I was the most surprised he failed at that one. I think just I think just because it's an impo- it was an impossible distance, like he couldn't. Right, right, he right. He couldn't make it, and Auto Man, but Auto Man could make it because he could. He was like, "Oh man, this guy's actually pretty good. I guess I just have to rig the physics." <laughs> Regardless, he's something. now the de facto leader, and uh, what he says goes. No matter what, what he says goes. No guns, guys. No guns. Also, you're real drunk right now. So. <laughs> why? Do, why couldn't Auto Man? Because he just didn't want all the cops to get killed at some point. But it's like they they clearly are going to do some mayhem and really beat the hell out of people anyways so like did it really matter yeah it's it's very weird because yeah that's auto man's like we're gonna go (laughs) for whatever reason what we'd seen before this is the sheriff's like we need to make sure that the prisoners finish the public works properties but like that lasted two hours they're now back at his house working on his house so auto man's like we're gonna head to the sheriff's house you guys live all leave all your weapons here i don't want you hurting anybody so no weapons and then we get a very like naked gun style gag yeah, where they're just pulling more and more weapons out of their jacket and tossing them in a giant pile on the ground, which is probably one of the best things Iron Man's ever done. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, it, if it was naked gun though, it would have been a thing where like it just kept getting more and more ludicrous. There's like a yeah, pair of panties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> guy reaches into his shirt. Yeah, and pull, yeah, pulls out a, like a whole atom, like a fat man atom bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Auto Man then says, "Wait here a second while I sneak into." Because he, as he can, as we know, he walks through walls, so he sneaks into the sheriff's house, which also has a full armory for some reason. He is an American. He is an American. He, uh, what I like is he takes all of the guns off the rack and then puts them in a closet. Yeah, I know. It's he like he has super strength. He could have just broken the guns or done anything with them or like just neutralized them with his Auto Man powers, but it's like. They'll never find them over here, two feet away. Well, it's because he wants Kersher to make a bunch of fake guns so that, like, when they try to use them, the guns can disappear from their hands for some reason. Yeah, which raises the question we've had a few times in the show is these, I'm going to, for lack of a term, call them digital projections that Auto Man and Cursor do. 
how long do they actually last for? Because we've seen him do this sort of trick before, but in this episode, it seems like he knows it's only going to last a certain amount of time. Now, I don't know if they've, it has a, like a finite amount of time and he just has timed it well, or you can control it, you know, or Cursor can sort of control when things come and go. I think Cursor pulled the plug. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, the only other limit on an object's persistence other than executive function like of auto man or cursor, I would say would then be power supply. Because mm. we, I mean, like with the, with the plane, right? Like constructs yeah, yeah. will regularly dissipate. We're just like, add a juice. <laughs> Bye. Um, which again, that whole thing about reliance on the grid and being like, okay, so auto man has trouble running when this, like when people are getting up in the morning in the city of Los Angeles which has like, I don't know, like 600, that's like a 600 megawatt grid. And then he goes to like a, you know, like a town. And I don't know, their their grid is probably like considerably less than that. So the idea that he's doing all these things is... Well, he did anyway, say... I shouldn't, would, don't think about it. Don't think don't about think it. Think that's about the key. It. Although I will say, when he arrived, he said he was going to go to the local power plant. So I assume most of the city is currently blacked out from what uh, whatever Ottoman did at that power plant to juice up. <laughs> which was off camera, disgusting. by the way. Disgusting. Yeah, it, I totally off camera. Because it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever he did. Ugh. <laughs> it was not safe for television. But yes, Auto Man's now neutralized the guns in the armory. He just now has to get rid of the bullets in the sidearms the cops have. So he does the like most hilarious. He he pulls up in front of all the cops who are guarding the prisoners at the house, pops a wheelie on his motorcycle, and then just drives back and forth like at perfect 180s. As like as if he's at a shooting range, and they're just they all just open fire. That was one of the weirdest looking things they've done on the show. Like it, again, this is the thing where it looks like a kids show suddenly, which is fine if that's the show they they had. But again, this has been a very adult sort of episode up to this point, where it's like zany. Yeah, you're right. Like he's a he's a shooting game at a carnival for some reason. And they also can't like do the effect of the motorbike like on the ridge, so they have him like popping the wheelie going one way, and then cut to him like Pop, yeah, yeah. just reversing, like, you know. And they're just flipping the flipping the the film, so it looks like he's doing these dime dime these, like, turns. Dime turns, yeah. <laughs> it's very. I was laughing so hard at that scene. It's just the weirdest. It's one of the weirdest effects they've pulled off, and it just couldn't. It's just so weird and funny. I don't know why they would have done it, but it worked for me. At any rate, now that the bullets are all gone from the deputy's guns, all the bikers show up. They just start beating the shit out of the cops who were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's and that's what I mean. It's like, I guess he knew it was going to happen, but he didn't want them to beat them with, like, bats and things. So it's like, their hands are fine. But it's not like they're... Because if they're not fighting, and not that I'm condoning it, but if they're not fighting, what's the point of even bringing them around? Like, that's what they're there for. So it just seemed weird to handicap them. That's true. Uh, we find the... Uh, the sheriff, uh, he still has. We don't. We have. We don't really see her for much of this episode. But Terry, the sister's still kicking around. She's also a prisoner on this chain gang, and and the sheriff's like trying to drag her away while this mayhem's breaking out. And it was a really. You may not have noticed this at all, but it just caught my eye and it made me insane. But she picks up a two by four to like fight him off, and she like grabs it and like jams it right into his chest to not to kind of knock him down. And when she pulls it back, the entire front of the two by four is now covered in red. As if she's like stabbed him in the chest with this two by four. I was like, "What? Wait, what's happened here?" Oh, and I, I should mention, you know, you're saying that she's running away and the sheriff's going to chase her. And I think you said at the beginning of this episode that they sort of established this creepy relationship, and it's more than it's creepy. I think the sheriff even 
uh, alludes to at one point that if they don't agree to what he's doing, he's going to let all of the men have their way with her. I it, he yes, and it's just like this is insane repeatedly. in a kid's show. Repeated repeatedly threatens her that way. It's it, it's absurd. And so when when he's chasing her here, I guess the thing is he's going to keep her for himself for some reason. That's that's what we're supposed to be believe here. This uh, in the closing minutes of the episode. Yes, but this is where Wally finally becomes that action hero you're talking about. He jumps on the back of Auto Man's bike and then leaps from the back of the bike onto a moving pickup truck, and then he pulls the sheriff out of the passenger, the driver's seat of the pickup truck, through the back window, and they have a fight in a moving pickup truck before they fall off. And while he high kicks him into unconsciousness. Yeah, I actually feel, and I I could very well be wrong. I feel like uh, old Desi Arnaz Jr. At a certain point, the show's like, guys, I'm supposed to be the star of this show. I'm getting beaten up every episode. Nothing's happening. Make me, I want to be an action star. And I feel like halfway through the season or three quarters through this season, someone's like, okay. Because this episode, the next episode, suddenly he's more than a competent fighter where before he was the exact opposite. It just feels like, he's like, you got to make me a tough guy. It definitely feels that way for sure. And of course, Lieutenant Curtis finally returns to the plot of the show when he pulls up and arrests all the corrupt cops, I guess. I don't like it. Just so he just pulls up. He's like, you're all under arrest. He, he has to get the county's commissioner from the state. Right, right. To look into yeah. the uh, yeah, malfeasance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check those spreadsheets. You'll see that these men need to be arrested. Well, it's very funny because then we kind of cut to like the usual button scene at the end of these episodes where we're back at the LAPD and Captain Boyd gets a chance to like do some acting. And he essentially just kind of lets them know that isn't it ironic that the sheriff's going to get 10 years on a chain gang for his involvement in this. And then he mentions he's like, oh, and by the way, there was also this lady we never talked about and didn't show on the episode, but she was making fake green cards for all the illegal immigrants. She's also going to prison. And I was just like. What? No, do you know who that was? It was the lawyer. It was the lawyer? It was it was Terry's lawyer? Yeah, so the lawyer there's a scene where you find out that the lawyer who they went to for help is actually on the uh sheriff's side. She's been helping him. Wild. So they just it's like but you no one tracked that because no one cares. But they had to make sure at the end of the episode that there was not like a nine year old watching this going, Wait a minute, what about that lawyer? She deserves a punishment too. Well, and if you were worried about those illegal immigrants, don't worry. The state's going to do right by them. They're all getting green cards. Yeah, that seemed like the most unbelievable thing in this entire episode. More than uh, Auto Man turning into a biker and all of his superpowers was that the state just deciding to give all these illegal immigrants a green card. It's true. That is also where I was just like, well, that would never happen. <laughs> but yes, this is sort of, they're, they're wrapping up the episode. And the, the big punchline of the episode, though, is that uh, a package has arrived from the Renegang's motorbike gang for <laughs> Wally as a thank you at the end of the episode. And he pulls it out. It's a big, it's a big leather biker jacket. And he, he puts it on and starts acting like a tough guy. And Roxanne finally gets a moment to shine this episode where she's just like, oh, I love a macho man. And she goes to touch his jacket. And Wally turns her and says, don't touch that woman. She's like, and then she's like, oh, you've never been more hot to me. Yeah. I like the thought, though, that there was someone in the uh, the biker gang who's in charge of, like, handling presents for people. And he had to, like, go to the store, pick out the jacket, you know, wrap it, <laughs> put, put it in the mail. Got to make sure they get this, a little thank you gift from us. Mm-hmm. Bikers are known for their thank you gifts. Yeah. Hospitality and logistics is an important <laughs> yeah. part of, of having any sort of armed group. So. Oh, dear, Otto, man. It, it, 
very another very weird episode, but nothing compared to what we're going to get into next. Because uh, here's the IMDb summary for episode nine: Murder MTV. Hello, Walter. Hello. What? What are you doing here? Well, I called the station. Roxanne told me you'd been assigned security for Sweet Kicks. I thought you might be needing my help. Well, I don't, especially not looking like that. Walter, I'd like to stay. This may be my only chance to study a whole new culture. What new culture? Why, rock and roll, of course. I've become quite a fan of late. Is that so? Well, you don't have to be human to want to get down and boogie. Sid Cole, a record producer and manager of his daughter's up-and-coming rock band, quote, Sweet Kicks, is blackmailed. An explosion rocks a music video shoot. And it is down to Walter and Auto Man to find out who is behind this. Hey, in that, do they say his name was Sid? I thought his name was Lee. It is. They got this name wrong. <laughs> okay. I don't usually catch a character's name, but I know they called him Lee. Did you guys know that, and I, I didn't, that Laura Branigan, who plays uh, Jesse, I think is the singer's name? She's She was the an actual singer. The leader of the Sweet Kicks? Yeah, leader of the Sweet I, Kicks. So that's why they, we have to have 95 singing sequences in this show. It's going to be a hot night. Yes. <laughs> it is going to be a hot night. I had to look this up because I was also like, this sounds exactly like the song Hot Night, which I'm familiar with from being a child listening to the Ghostbusters soundtrack over and over again. <laughs> and sure enough, it is, it is, in fact, the original singer in a TV role as, a, as, as Jesse Cole, the lead singer of the Sweet Kicks. And they basically do several of her songs throughout the episode. They'll do this. They'll do uh, Gloria. And then I think there's another song of hers they do later, too. <laughs> well, in this world, her song, and w- which one was it? But it, all I know is it, it's hit number two. What was the song? Hot I was going to be a hot night. night. No. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Keep going. going to be a hot night uh, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> Also, that you know what is not mentioned to this? Talking about themes that they don't uh, go into. I really wanted um, them to delve deeper into the nepotism of this world. That her dad's the record producer? Give me a break. <laughs> you wanted more of a Celine Dion situation where she was dating him. I, I, at least it wasn't nepotism. Uh, um... <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. No, it still is nepotism. <laughs> I take it back. I want neither. This episode kind of begins, it looks like a music video, and then you come to realize they're actually in a studio kind of shooting a music video for the band, The Sweet Kicks. And um, we get sort of an odd sequence where we see someone placing what looked to me like a CD spinning with like a little digital countdown on it, which causes a small explosion on the set of this studio, and everyone goes crazy. Someone's, someone's tried to bomb the music video. There's so many bombs in this show. There's almost as many bombs going off as there is uh, various mafia uh, groups in this world. It's crazy. Every episode is a bomb going off. Although we're going to learn this one's a little bit different. This one is a bomb that is set off when the volume hits a certain level, which is, I guess, pretty sophisticated. But you would think it would work better for like a much heavier band than Sweet Kicks are. Like Sweet Kicks are like a fun little pop band. It's not like they're going to be going, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not going to 11. <laughs> they're no auto man. It was that. Was, <laughs> that was the reference, Luke. It was a spinal tap joke. At any rate, this is what brings the LAPD to investigate it. They're 
coming to find out who planted a bomb on this set. Of course, Wally shows up and he uh, he summons Auto Man into the control room of the uh, you know the music studio so he they can, he can look at the this computerized bomb. Which, as you said, he's like, oh, it has something to do with volume, I guess. They have a, they have a fragment of a circuit. Doesn't that doesn't that look like an acoustic circuit to you, Otto? <laughs> yes, Walter. <laughs> But isn't it crazy though that in uh, it's happened more in the last several episodes? Well, they they have this sort of scene where Wally is investigating something, where he's being tasked with doing something, and he calls an Auto Man, and Auto Man gives him some help, as you would you would think, because he's this supercomputer, um, supercomputer manifestation, and then he's like, "Anyways, we've we've worked on this thing. Anything else?" And, and Wally's always like, "Nope, I'll take it from here." I'm like, "Why? Why would you take it from here? He's much much better than you, and you're not utilizing him at all." No, no, like, have him do more stuff. I did, like, when Auto Man is called to this, like, control room in this studio, Auto Man looks around and says, with a, with the equipment like this, a hologram could rule the world. And I was just like, uh-oh, red flag, Wally. <laughs> but Wally's response to it is, is very weird as well, because he's just like, well, as far as I know, holograms aren't an organized political party. Otto shoots back. What does he shoot back? Well, neither are the Democrats or the Republicans, as far as I can see. <laughs> he doesn't care if it's left or right. He's hitting everybody. Classic Otto Man. Otto Man. Fascistic third positionist. <laughs> <laughs> who, was the, who was the major third party candidate in 1984? Was it still What's-His-Face? I think. When does Ross Perot run? Oh, he Ross Perot wasn't I think till ninety two. Because okay. there's like there's uh, Barry Goldwater in the seven in the seventies, mm. but I don't know if uh, maybe Ralph Nader has. I don't know if Ralph Nader has run run yet. So maybe there's a void for Auto Man here. Yeah, I mean yeah. Nader wrote he he ran like fifty times, so maybe yeah, yeah probably Ralph. But I mean I don't think Nader was like <laughs> a. It wasn't it wasn't yet in vogue to blame Ralph Nader for every Republican victory. <laughs> so. At any rate. Um, what we kind of know is that, like, someone's after perhaps this High Kicks. And, high Kicks uh, or Sweet Kicks? Sweet Kicks. I'm sorry. It's a much better name than High Kicks. I do like the Sweet Kicks name. But uh, Jesse, as we've mentioned, is managed by her father, Lee. And um, he gets a call after the after the explosion because it's he's being blackmailed, essentially. Somebody wants the, him to pay 50K or he'll tell them all what he saw in Texas. What could it have been? Huge shock. But you know, here so he's gonna go right away. So so he knows he's being blackmailed. So he goes to I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he's another mafia guy. But he's got to be the quietest Latrone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to be the quietest, most passive mafia boss I've ever met. Like I was just like this guy. Yeah, he's a very very casual mafia boss, and uh, basically he shows up. He's like, hey, Latrone. Can you do me a favor? I just need a couple goons to provide security for my daughter and her band. And and Latrone's happy to do it because I, I guess sometime previously Lee took a fall. And did you catch what he took a fall for, Steve? No, I did not. I, I it was not clear to me. So it was all it was all gangster euphemism. So I didn't. Uh... <laughs> well, apparently, what happened was a mob record label sometime in the seventies was doing a payola scam. Whatever that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> It, payola was basically uh, an illegal way of having songs play on the radio uh, for kickbacks. And uh, old Lee took the hit for Latrone and did the jail time for him. Good deal. So now he's going to get this one favor from this mob boss. And let's let's talk about it really quick right now because he is being blackmailed. Steve, do you remember 
how why what he's being blackmailed for do you, does, this, does this make any sense it's to very you? convoluted he murdered a police officer or someone someone attacked his daughter right there was something things got out of hand one thing led to another and he killed this man who was a police officer correct yeah that is correct it is very similar to the previous episode a police officer attempted to plant drugs on his daughter right in order to extort money from the band in order where they were playing a gig in texas Lee would not stand for it, so he got in a tussle with this police officer. The police officer's gun went off, killing the police officer. And then, I guess, Lee ran away. <laughs> and how many years ago did they say this happened? Two weeks. Oh, it was only two weeks ago? Yes. Oh. So he doesn't even know oh. if he's gotten... He might not even get away with it, just for normal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was... For whatever reason, I thought it had happened years before. And that's why I was like... But if it happened years before, how long has this sweet kicks been struggling for? But that makes more sense if it's only been two weeks. So they've had a really tumultuous uh, career so far. Police dying, bombs going off. Yeah, and he got over that murder of a police officer very quickly and just moved on with his life. Yeah, because you're right. It feels like it's something from his deep, dark, distant past. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not a fortnight ago. Yeah, and I think that to me then that also means that like the blackmailer is much easier to find. Right, because there hasn't been like, like it's only, there's a small group of people it could be, like there's the thing that's really frustrating about this is they're like, okay, we need to find this blackmailer, but they make no effort. No, they conduct no investigation into the crew, <laughs> and like, and I understand the cops; they're totally in the dark, but the mafia guys, they know, like they, you know, start hitting the people in the crew, start shaking them down. Like, who could possibly know? It can't be that many people start working it i know do the you know <laughs> bust they some just heads. allow this to continue they just allow this blackmail to continue unabated you know who also doesn't do their work wally when he's ha- making a dinner for someone <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a very weird scene unrelated to the rest of the plot that pops up about now in the show where wally is making dinner for roxanne because it's her one year police anniversary he's, he's apparently seymour skinner and he's making some some, some steamed hams. <laughs> I know it's, it is just the steamed hams gag. It's such a sitcom. Like he's she's like this dinner is amazing. Thanks so much for making it for me. He's like no problem. Walks in and just take out containers everywhere, and you're just like, oh Wally. Did you catch what he made though? That was so fancy. Ba- Balinese. No. It was cannelloni. Cannelloni. <laughs> that was it. She's like I've never had anything like this. I'm so blown away. She's still reeling from that leather jacket, I think. She can't. She just doesn't know ups, down, blacks, white. She doesn't know what's happening. She just loved that casual misogyny. She was really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she, I mean, she's, Walter is gay for Auto Man, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's, she likes Wally, but she There knows, is some subtext there, yes. Yeah. Auto Man is in the way. And, you know, like, I get it. I, who doesn't want to, uh, 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 to take six different handsome men and make a gestalt? that you can go inside and feel powerful and safe. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's so weird is up till now, Wally's actually been, he's referred to Roxanne as his girlfriend, even though she is not dating him. Uh, And then in this episode, it seems like maybe she's in love with him and not the opposite. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's nice that she gets a scene, but then it's like, it's, it's like you're saying, it has nothing to do with the episode and doesn't develop anything. And it's just like, it's that, and then she comes in, she's like, did you make a cake? And it's a whole gag of Cursor, I guess, wants to have sex with her, so he's pretending the cake's from her. But like, let me just say this. Let's say Cursor, who is proven time and time again to be quite horny, this little glowing ball. What is his plan? He's just a glowing ball. 
How is this going to work? Let's say a woman's like, all right, Cursor, I'm into it. What are you going to do, Cursor? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, he could make any object. So. Yeah, but yeah, he can make any <laughs> object, but he can't become any object himself. Mm. Can't operate the object. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to watch. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So his gag is he makes like, a, I don't know, like a sparkler and a cake. And I was like, all right, thanks for wasting two minutes of my life, Auto Man. Yeah, this scene really rang of like, hey, we're about four to five minutes short on this episode. But I mean, they're, they're, they are consistently negligent in protecting their charge, though, right? Like, no, multiple bad things oh. happen to her. Well, they're... It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. they, they bring in Auto Man and Wally from the police department to sort of be her bodyguards. And time and time again, at least, there's at least three we see on camera, so I can only assume off camera there was more, where Auto Man and Wally are so enamored with each other's conversation that she just walks outside and like a car comes first a car comes by and almost hits her and then later on the episode a car comes up with like a machine gun and just abducts her there's no security on site they're not watching her and it's like you would think if there was one uh uh dangerous car attack the entire security for the building would change but they're like nope as is do you know what I mean like do you remember back in uh, this is maybe a, a bad example but i remember in i think it was the glasgow airport in scotland where someone took a car it was some sort of terrorist attack, and they drove it into the side of the building. And I remember I went to that airport not too long after it. Let me tell you, they had changed security for that building dramatically. And I know it's maybe a little too much realism for this show, but, like, give me a break, guys. No, not just there, but everywhere. Like, during, like, yeah, in the, like, 2010s, 20-teens, when, like, ISIS was doing all those car attacks, like, rondels were being, like, those big things, big stone things to stop cars, were being put everywhere. Like, every major city was getting, like, a, they... they was getting rondels installed because yeah it didn't just change security in glasgow it changed it literally everywhere like, yeah. even in edmonton like there were there were all of a sudden wherever there's like any sort of pedestrian concourse they were throwing up stones even in edmonton well edmonton also had a car attack so right. a guy rented a u-haul and drove it into some people <laughs> oh. he was an incel though so <laughs> yeah uh wally's an incel too so let's be careful what we say <laughs> yeah but but it is to the point it is it's like you know i think this is the scene where she just goes walking because wally's not a very good security guard also i know they need him to do something but why would you send your computer tech out on these oh i'll on tell you mission? why uh it's because captain boy thinks rock and roll is stupid and doesn't want to spare <laughs> any of his useful officers so he's just like i'm sending you wally i don't want to spare a good cop that's true that's true I, but you're right it's so crazy because basically wally goes there Auto Man obviously shows up as he always does because he wants to learn about this rock and roll culture and then like transforms himself into a rockabilly. Yeah. He, uh, he, he's, I, you knew he was going to play guitar at some point in the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, they're bad security, but it's crazy too because there's those two mob goons who are also ostensibly providing. So they've got four people on this band. They're doing a terrible job of it. She's almost getting murdered perpetually. She finally just goes and asks her dad. She's just like, hey, dad. Just tell me what's going on. Someone's obviously trying to kill me. And the dad just, like, tells her everything. He's just like, killed a cop in Texas. And she's just like, oh, dad, that's okay. <laughs> like, nobody's plussed by this idea that he killed a cop in Texas. Everyone's fine with it. And they have to head off in the middle of all this to the big record company executives party for the Sweet Kicks. And this is, again, we get more music. We cut to it. Uh, I have a question, Lauren though. Lauren singing. When they said they were going to a party, I assumed it was going to be, like, a party. Not, like, is it a party if you have to also perform? It's not that fun, right? I know. They're working at their own party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
and they only have two or three songs so i guess it's going to be a real like they got to do eight eight to ten minutes i do like that we see them singing a song the song ends and we cut to lee on the phone complaining that the guitarist has canceled for the show today i'm like but they just they just (laughs) played a song yeah but not the song that needed the guitar luke they were fine to go ahead with the first song The, the tambourine guy showed up and this is the big moment where Auto Man gets the chance to like create his own auto brand guitar and uh, and rip it up with the band, the Sweet Kicks. I think his fake guitar playing was better than I thought it was going to be. It's not great, but he's actually moving his hands. He's trying to make chords. He's given it everything. So good on uh, Auto Man actor, who I can't remember his name, Gavin Johnny or whatever his name is. Chuck Wagner. Chuck Wagner. That's it. That was pretty close. Yeah, he uh, he. It's interesting though because at one point he like walks away in the middle of the song, like Walter pulls him away, but the guitar line <laughs> continues in the song. He's that like, good. Yeah, He's they just that good. They, they didn't make a cut of the song where the guitar like didn't remix the song without the guitar, so it just it just keeps on. That made me laugh so hard. It's like mid song, and Wally it pulls him off stage, but nobody nobody stops playing or notices the guitarist has left. They are professionals. <laughs> Why does he decide that, as a musician, his look is a black tux with red lapels and a red tie? Was that was that a was that a rock star look? I don't know what that was supposed to be. I don't know. That's why I was just like, I'm like, is he a rockabilly? I don't know what this look is. It's lost to the sands of time. <laughs> yeah, but he's pulled away because this it the most baffling sequence takes place is there's the two mob goons acting as security, and what they see is they see Lieutenant Curtis acting as security parked outside of the venue watching for the blackmailer. They see him and they're like, oh, I don't know who that is. Maybe that's the blackmailer. Let's drive by and get a peek at him. They drive by. And at this point, as as uh, we haven't talked about, Otto and Wally had a sense that something was wrong with these two new security guards. They saw them and they're like, something seems wrong. I kind of recognize them. Mm-hmm. And... They kind of figured out they're working for the mob. So the cops kind of know the mob is hanging around. Yeah, but you get this kind of scene, which is it's just funny because you think it would uh, kind of get played up a little more, which is two different people are doing the same job, but there's a bit of they don't know the other person's doing a job. But it just becomes a car chase. And I was like, why did it become a car chase? That's what did. It's the thing is like while he was told their security, yes, that he's figured out they're from the mob, but he's been told their security for the blackmailer. But they, basically, it seems like no one told the mob that cops had security here. And the cops haven't been able to figure out the mob is doing security. So it's just this weird car chase where the two security guards are chasing each other for some reason and, like, leaving her completely exposed. What I like, though, is the car chase uh, ends with, because, you know, it's like uh, a lot of, uh, you know, your classic late 70s, early 80s kind of car chase. A lot of, like, tires spinning through dust. And then they drive over what I think is... Like, uh, it's a parked vehicle of some sort that has uh, an incline, so they use it as a ramp. And they seem nervous about it, but nail it. They go over and nail the landing. And then Jack, who seems very confident, is like, oh, you think so? He does it and just flips his car immediately because he's old, I guess. And he's he's out. He's, he's, I think they drag him out, and he's like, hey, boys. And then they knock him out because they think he's like, I guess, they assume he is the person who is stalking and or attacking uh, sweet kicks and then they're like oh he's a cop oopsie daisy and they take off it is it is a weird crazy scene and 
we talked about this a little off air though so steve uh you had a real problem with Otto recognizing those two gentlemen but not knowing why yeah it's very infuriating you're a computer you either recall something <laughs> in its entirety or you don't have it there's no uh there's no <laughs> oh um ooh, what's that guy uh <laughs> what's his name i can't quite come up with it it was very funny and this I'm used to it from Wally. A big part of the show has been Wally sees someone and says, huh, they look familiar. And about like 40 minutes later, he puts his finger on it. But now for Otto Man to also have this problem. It's for, for, especially since like these are these are people who are in the system whose names and identities, including headshots, have been uploaded into the computer. So therefore, <laughs> the computer banks. Um, Otto Man would have them. So it's like you have access in terms of the mechanics of the episode. What does it matter if they remember them or not? It doesn't really change anything in this episode. Does it? I guess it was a misdirect. Cause when they see the mobs, there acting as security. There's this like weird subplot where they please decide that the mob is there to shake down the sweet kicks. And it's not till after this chase, they decide that no, the mob is, they said they were there for security and they really are there for security. It, it was so confusing. I mean, you can, you mm. could definitely see this kind of thing where you have, like, two operations by two armed groups, the police and the mob, right. and they end up just fighting each other. Like, that's, that, that, I, that, I mean, that, that is a very uh, believable outcome. They needed to, they yeah. needed to coordinate a yeah. little <laughs> At any rate, this is about the time when Lee and the mob goons decide it's time to try to catch this blackmailer. So they, they set up a drop of the $50,000, which is really Lee puts down an empty briefcase at the at the drop spot they picked. The uh, the blackmailer pull, pulls up on his motorcycle, and when he goes to grab the empty briefcase, the, uh, the mob goons just pull in in their car and kind of, like, chase after him. It didn't seem like the most effective sting, but it was particularly undermined by the fact that the blackmailer brought a submachine gun with him. It becomes like a almost gruesome scene. He sort of like shoots them off the road that goes on. And it's clearly like footage from something else because it's it's way bigger than anything this show does. It's like the car explodes and then goes down the hill and explodes more. And then one guy, I guess, had fallen out of the car and is on the ground and he just blows the guy away with a machine gun. I don't think we've seen anything that violent in this show before. Yeah, it was quite good. I liked watching that man just destroy those two goons for no apparent reason. They messed with him. Uh, yeah, and, and then I guess because so these so this man, this man has killed two operators for criminal syndicate, and the Don says, eh, you know, sunk. I'm not falling falling for a sunk cost fallacy. Listen, I gave you two men to put in the, to put into this. I'm walking away. <laughs> I paid you back your favor of yeah. going to jail. I, you gave you those two men. You killed him, so that you lost your two men. It is very funny because even like. Lee comes back and he's just like, "Hey, listen, I need your help again. I will just I'm just going to pay this guy. Lend me $50,000 and I will like give you like you'll get you'll get a cut of everything the sweet kicks make." And the mob boss is like, "No, no thank you. I'm not I'm not very interested in in black in like in like this. I'm like this is the entire job the mob is, isn't it? Is to like buy its way into businesses. This guy's not interested at all." No, no. This this mob everyone knows that the what are they? The Lanigans? What are they? The Latrone. Latrones. They're uh they're they're low risk, low reward. That's this kind of this group. They're very conservative mafia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They only, they, only, they only break into blue chips, your laundromats, your corner stores. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very funny. It feels that way. They're very much just like he's just like, no thank you. I, I this is a very nice offer, but I, I'm not I can't help you any further. And the mob is out of the rest of the episode. I mean, maybe he doesn't want to squeeze his friend. 
Maybe he does genuinely that, like the guy. He's like, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to make my life about fucking you over. Like, I love the idea though. It's like the first episode of The Sopranos, and someone comes to Tony with a deal, and he's like, nah. And then it's just end credits, and there's no more episodes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that that's that whole plot with uh, uh, Robert Patrick, where he's just like gets his buddy addicted to the gambling too much, but that's it, right. it, this time he won't let it happen. <laughs> that's a deep cut for any Sopranos fans out there. Anyway, the blackmailer's not happy about trying about getting double crossed. So uh, it's all very. I don't. The blackmailer's plans don't make a lot of sense to me. Like the bomb, I don't understand. He like sends this newspaper to Jesse. Well, you're right because if the bomb seemingly was meant to, if not kill Jesse, but like really hurt people, but that doesn't really help his his end goal because what if he accidentally just killed her? So it's like unless he's it's a very controlled bomb because. It's again. It's sort of like they did the bare amount of research possible in terms of wh- how someone would act in terms of blackmail. Because sometimes he's actually blowing bombs up. Sometimes he's making threatening calls. And now he's. I think at this point, the scene you're going to get sends to lose. That he, he sends he sends a newspaper clipping from a couple weeks ago to be like, nah, nah, nah. I knew what happened with your dad. And he's also really obnoxious on the phone. I don't understand why they didn't put a grenade inside the briefcase. Oh, that's like, a good I don't know why they didn't put a bomb in his briefcase. He just goes in and rips it open. Like I don't know why they didn't put a like a like the mafia has grenades. Like they could just rig up a thing with a fragmentation grenade and blow his face. Also, off. I think there was I think there was a turn missing when Auto Man gets the 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 newspaper in the mail and gives it to uh, uh, whatever her name is Jesse because he like gets it. He goes, "Looks good to me." I'm like, "No, no, you could have had Auto Man scan it with his supervision and look through it or something." But it's like. Have you guys never heard of anthrax? It could have been something in there. He didn't check it at all. He's just like, looks good to me and gives it to her. Well, I like to give her the newspaper. She reads the headline about the murdered cop and then she runs off to see her dad. And then Wally and Otto just stand there like, do you think that uh, headline has anything to do with this blackmail case? And they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the point. She runs off with his newspaper, shows it to her dad. He's quite upset. And then Jesse once again just walks outside that white paneled van pulls up with the with the kidnapper or the blackmailer nerd, puts a gun on her and, and and like kidnaps her and drives off. And after she's been kidnapped, Wally and Otto step outside and they're like, "Uh oh, we better chase him down." And and Otto man's like, "Oh, bad news, guys! I'm out of power, so I gotta go." What I like though is Wally goes, "I guess there's nothing I can do." I was like, "Did you guys carpool in, Wally? I think you have a car." You can still chase him. And many times in this show, Wally has gone out by himself. Why he just was like, well, there's not another bus for 15 minutes, so I guess we'll just let her go. It, it was just a, the most baffling scene. Like, they've been very bad about, like, using Otterman's low power as, like, a contrivance to raise the stakes. But in this particular one, having him just step outside and be like, well, I'm out of power. Bye. <laughs> but I do like the uh, the villain in this. I, I don't know why his name tickled me so much, but we're going to find out his name's Sam Clementine. I really enjoyed yes. that. Yes, we, he, he pulls off his mask and reveals himself as one of the roadies of the sweet girls. <laughs> now, do, do, do either of you think that we as a viewer were supposed to have tracked that and be like, wait a minute, it's that guy from the first scene in the background? I mean, I mean, roadies and technical crew are working people and therefore do not exist in the world of television. Uh, <laughs> like they're there, but but they don't have agency. They don't have nothing. Nothing happens in their lives. They return to their gray boxes and, and wait for the next <laughs> wait for people with speaking lines to need them. Um, I do like this Clementine character, though, because he is uh, 
perhaps an insane uh, lunatic who's escaped an asylum of some sort. Because what we come to find out is, you know, we've said he's planted bombs. He's nearly run her down. He's done all these things essentially to blackmail her, but like also kill her. It's unclear. But he explains later on that he saw the whole thing with the cop go down. And then once it happened, he walked over after Lee left, found out the cop actually was not dead. He had not been killed by that gun. So he murdered the cop himself so that he could properly do blackmail. Yeah. But he still uh, at least still shot the cop in this tussle, this vague tussle we've heard about, right? Yeah, that's the idea. But I, they, they go to the, out of the way to be like, oh, well, don't worry, though. Lee's not a bad guy. He didn't fully kill the cop. This other guy did. So he's off the hook. Yeah, he only 60% killed the cop. Yeah, I, li- I like that his like thing is, I'm blackmailing you with the evidence that will exonerate you. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. At any rate, it's at this point, like, Lee's at the end of his rope. He finally is forced to come clean to the LAPD and tell them everything that's happened. Like, the, the cop he shot in Texas, his daughter getting kidnapped, all of this stuff. And Lieutenant Curtis, because Autobahn and Wally are the picture, Lieutenant Curtis has to step up and, like, set up a plan to catch the blackmailer. Which is, no, I could not understand what his plan was. Because what we see is they basically, like before, pull up to a drop spot to hand the money off to the blackmailer, Clementine. Lee hands the money over to Clementine. And Detective Curtis is hiding in the passenger seat of the car. And once the handoff happens, Lieutenant Curtis jumps out of the car and then runs into the woods, firing wildly over his shoulder. Yeah. And I was just like, what it was the plan? <laughs> it seemed like even him being in the car was a very dangerous idea and and way to go about things, right? It's like, there's got to be, a, if you ha- wanted to have a police presence, there should have been a better one other than the car because they didn't know what they were driving well, they didn't into. Bring any backup. It's just him in the car and he just runs away as soon as he sees the black man. <laughs> He's also a terrible shot. Yeah, awful. That blackmailer has very heavy weaponry. He has he has a submachine gun. That's true. <laughs> so you're gonna show up with your you're gonna show up with your uh, six round revolver. Um, because this guy's Uzi. Like, what was what's the plan there? And also, shame on the blackmailer who should be like, "There's a guy in your car." Like we said, I said, "Come alone." Like, call off the meat. Do something. Like, Lieutenant Curtis was just a lot braver before he showed up, and then when he got there, he's like, "Oh, I, I can't do this anymore. It's it's too hard. Goodbye." <laughs> And thankfully, for I guess, for Lieutenant Curtis is uh, he didn't have plan to have any backup. But Wally has been like at his computer since Auto Man disappeared, basically begging Auto Man via text message to come back. And Auto Man's just not replying. So Wally decides of his own accord to also drive up to the drop spot and happens to get the drop on the blackmailer as he's trying to, like, get away. So we get another scene where Wally gets to, like, be a badass and is, 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 is fighting this blackmailer. Yeah, now he finds his car, I noticed. Yes, now he finds his car to get there. And when it looks like Wally might lose the fight, of course, now is also the time that out of nowhere, Auto Man will suddenly appear. The auto car pulls up and so startles the blackmailer that I guess it gives Wally the chance to high kick him one more time into unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. It's a signature move. Signature move. I, it, we haven't seen it since, uh, I think, uh, Planet of the Apes, all, this much high kicking. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of high kicking. And then, of course, Auto Man goes and tracks down the missing Jesse, who uh, is, is trapped in this van still. And we haven't talked about this, but throughout the episode, Jesse is in love with Auto Man. Yes. Yeah. 
it's it's a running gag where she's very attracted to him and he throws open the doors and he's like you're saved and she's like this is just like a fairy tale now are we gonna hook up and ottoman's like no we're gonna be very good friends (laughs) but they make out but they still make out they're good friends who make out oh it was just so funny to me that ottoman really shoots her down for no apparent reason (laughs) no we kind of come to the button at the end because they've saved the day. Everything's fine. We cut back to Captain Boyd, and he's just like, great work, everybody. This case is closed. Um, I guess we're not going to put any charges against Lee, the dad who shot a police officer. He's off the hook now. This, this cop killer can go because we learn things on go. the way. <laughs> it's only an attempted murder. But let's go watch the High Kicks perform their final music video. Sweet and Kicks. We, we, sweet Kicks. Thank you. The Sweet Kicks. And we get to see them do a final performance where they just cut back to Otto Man panting like a dog as he watches. Well, she throws him a rose, and he gets to hold a rose while they're performing. And it's just odd and awkward for everybody. Just a weird end where they where they get to go watch them play. We didn't talk about it at all because there's like a lot of just like stuff that doesn't matter in this episode. But there are two other members of Hyde Kicks, those two women, who are like really hot for Wally for some yeah. reason. But I couldn't tell what they do in the band. They back up They were just backup dance. dancers, yeah. They, well, one of them grabs Wally's arms like, ooh, look at the muscles. And I was like, this is just mean to Desi Arnaz Jr. Because he clearly doesn't have any muscles, but they still have to do that scene. Because Wally's hot now. He's a badass. Yeah. You, I had a question, though. Do you think uh, Lee has learned his lesson and maybe made the job of the roadies and sound techs and all a little bit better? Because apparently this guy hated the job so much that he was willing to go to all this trouble. And he mentions how much he hates his job, old Sam Clementine. Do you think he's like, all right, guys, you can unionize now? No, no, 100% not. Yeah, it is interesting that in, in a certain sense, both of these episodes are about labor disputes. <laughs> uh, at, the, at the end of the day, like I'm like, I was like, well, okay, this is this is very, this is like weirdly, weirdly Marxian. <laughs> you know. Well, this is a good time. Before we get into ratings, is there anything we haven't covered that you were hoping to get into, Steve or, or Jordan? Any any little pieces? I really want to talk about. So the year is 1984 when this is airing, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so 1984, one of one event happens in 1984 that catches my my attention and it is the technology entertainment and design conference is first held in california now people might not know what technology entertainment and design is because it's mostly known now by its acronym ted hmm. so the first the first ted talk occurs in, in Very 1984 uh and so uh, you know and um ted which is uh you know ultimately comes to be funded by something called the sapling foundation which is ultimately absorbed the bill and melinda gates foundation but it's it is uh you know the public arm of like the silicon it's the public relations arm of the silicon valley revolution um and so i think what you see is like you know the internet as we know it doesn't really exist right what there is now so arpanet is still operational right and arpanet's the first kind of internet it's the advanced research project network and you know like the you know, the FBI is also implementing its first uh, joint data center program it, with, with, to allow federal buildings to communicate, and so like, and, and that's kind of the real basis for for what's going on in the plot of Automan. I think it's, it's like this idea of computer awareness is coming into the fore. Automan is a little more present than you, we maybe give it credit for. Yeah, and I think I think and also there is like this issue of like, well, why is technology always presented to people as so magical? Because Auto Auto Man is, you know, Auto Man is a. I was trying to figure out what is, is he a golem, is he uh, is he is he a genie? Um, and then I was like, well, no, he's like he's a, I mean, he's a youngie in shadow, 
right? He's he's even to the point where they they actually fuse. Of course, Auto Man's not dark; he emits light. But you know, <laughs> he's he is he is kind of the counterpuntal device to Wally, um, in the sense that you know Auto Man is suave and charismatic and big, and and Walter's demure and cerebral and so on. So I think like there's this notion of like a, the, the dimension of psychology. I think is really important because out of the whole technology revolution is really rooted in like the sort of like 60s counterculture psychological movement of the human potential movement which is like you know maslow and and adler and you know <laughs> um and all these people who are in like therapy and and who like advance this idea of cybernetics right that like grafting machines into the human experience will help us to attain greater levels of authenticity and being and excitement um and and all all of those and the distillate of all these very high-minded concepts about computation um is ultimately automated <laughs> it all distills the, this is the smartest our podcast has ever been i think uh it's uh glenny larson saying uh wouldn't it be funny if a little glowing ball a circle yeah. <laughs> women's breast <laughs> well actually you know, all of those things when you include cursor actually you do get the freudian tripartite right you get ego, uh, id, which is cursor, which is the lower uh, total. And again, like Freud even says, like the id is voiceless, like it doesn't speak. It just it just derives. It's just eating and fucking. Um, so it's like cursor is the is the id, and Ottoman is the super ego, the, the manifestation of everything good and pure and noble inside Wally. Man, maybe this show is actually great. Steve's reboot of Ottoman is going to be amazing. I, I wouldn't say it's great, but I would say like I think like that's. Uh, I think like that's like, but there is this idea then I think that like it, it does unwittingly just through like passively absorbing what's in the culture. And this is I think what, what makes Larson amazing. Like, he, he doesn't need to understand it to be like, hey, here's the thing. Hey, here's the thing. You just put them together and yeah, yeah. I got it. I made you. Yeah. He has an understanding <laughs> that these things yeah. might work together. He yeah, just doesn't I think, know Because I think that's, yeah, because he's just, he's just regurgitating the messages he and the rest of the public have been given about computers and that actually the 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 emergence of computers into society and the introduction of the internet to people was promoted as a deeply mystical experience it was, it was actually deeply spiritual and, and, and deeply personal and that these machines uh, were not just tools but actually like engines of transformation for the self and the world around you and Ottoman is a part of that I mean, I like I like this read on Auto Man. This is uh, I it, it works for me. It makes Auto Man that much more interesting now. <laughs> if only if only it wasn't so boring sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's lots of problems in the execution. And again, you know, and I think and the and the movie that does this much better is Tron. <laughs> because because yes, and, 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 and 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 if Auto Man inherits anything, it's probably just through being a bad plagiarism of Tron, where where, where all of this is much more uh, clear. That's how you know it's a Glenn A. Larson show. <laughs> Switching gears slightly, though, these two episodes, and, and you two may not agree with me, in some ways, I think structurally, these are some of their stronger episodes in that, yes, they have the normal issues they do with an overly complicated plot, but I think the actual way the episode breaks down isn't nearly as convoluted as the previous episodes. It feels like either they stopped caring as much in these or they just kind of eased up a little bit on how complicated everything is. But I do think it's to the show's better. Like this this slight simplification of there's a guy blackmailing a woman in a band and Ottoman has to play guitar. Done. That's the episode. Next one. There's a guy. Uh, he needs uh, people to build his house and Ottoman has to ride a motorbike. Done. Th they're, they're much, much easier to explain than 
some of the previous episodes we've had where it's like there's 45 things happening and none of it makes sense and then you're like and at the end they go reasons end what, of episode was, is it the second episode where it's like they think it's the judge but it's not the judge it's actually someone trying it's it's yes, the mafia yes. but not the mafia like a sub contingent of the mafia trying yeah. to frame the judge to force a change inside the mafia like oh my god <laughs> and there's yeah it's know. that's what i mean they've stopped doing that misdirect which they were like doing so badly and now it's just like this is a bad guy let's get him yeah i agree and i and i do again i think it's simplified but i think for what this show is which is a computer generated sparkly guy solving crimes i think this fits into that mold much better than overly complicated plots because they're not as high as they are so they don't when they fall it's not as uh, much of a drop you know well i've got a little trivia for you before we wrap this up too okay the uh director of renegade run it was uh, a man named alan burns who co-created two shows that you might know golden girls the mo- okay no <laughs> no <laughs> i just get, get every t- every show that was on in the 1980s he co-created the Munsters and the mary tyler moore show oh wow well those are both two uh well-known shows and then he made a show where a biker stood on a chair and asked if there were beers on the roof <laughs> I, I did want to yeah. one, one last thought i had was like Dallas is the, the big show right now, right? 1984. Like, da- everyone's yes. watching Dallas. That's yeah. what people talk about at work. Um, I don't know Dallas. Is any? But, I, but the thing about, like, land deals and trying to extort someone to, sing, to sign something, was that at all Dallas-y? I think that's certainly... Uh, I think we've seen other shows where I feel like land deals and that kind of thing was happening. I think there was an idea that land was very valuable, so that was kind of the thing. I mean, there's an entire episode of Auto Man where they do a parody of Dallas. Okay. So, like... I, that is definitely in the air, I think. Yeah. I it's a, When we watch shows from this era, they do tend to like hit. Like, I'm surprised we haven't had an episode about oil yet. And maybe it's because it's a little too late for the oil crisis. But there was a period of time where we watched shows in the late 70s, early 80s, where they would always have an episode about oil or oil barons or something along those lines. Mm, that's true. So I feel like land deals were is very much in that same vein, for sure. At any rate, let's get into writing these episodes. Steve, we do this out of 10 stars, uh, typical IMDb rating style. So I'll start off with Renegade Run. What, what are your thoughts? What do you think this is worth out of 10? And it can be your personal, own personal opinion. I'm going to give it a 4.5. 4.5. Very reasonable <laughs> score. Jordan's shaking his head. He doesn't approve. I'm going to give it higher than I think it deserves because for the, the, the point I mentioned earlier, I let me get it straight. This is not a good show. The execution is not great. However, after watching eight or nine of these episodes now, I can appreciate that these are, I think, in some ways, the strongest episodes they've had in a while because of it's not as convoluted. Now, they're still boring and they're still stupid and hokey, but because of that, I'm going to raise it up. So I'm going to give this one a six and a half. Six and a half? Yeah. No, no, it's impossible. <laughs> I, You're right in that they're less convoluted. And if you're listening at home, you're right. There is an air show happening above me. <laughs> but <laughs> I I just like Renegade Run was just like the most bring back the convoluted plots. This is just so boring to me. No, I, no, I, I this was much better. Two. Oh, Luke, you're just you're just trying to just blow us out on this one. This is the worst one I've seen of all of Autumn. <laughs> really? I, I will say, like, I watched this with my partner and she watched the pilot and she's like, these are these are like much worse, <laughs> like like worse in a bat, worse in a boring way. Like I think a, a lot They're of things just too generic. Yeah, but 
What I think about... I like it. I think I like them being a little more generic. I think that's what I like about it. I think when they try to get smart and complicated, it just is dumb. So like, just give me a generic episode I've seen a million times. <laughs> All right. Well, what about Murder MTV, Steve? I'm going to give that a five. It was marginally better. Five. Yeah. Marginally better. Point five better. Yeah. I'll go next then. I'm, I'm going to be a little kinder to this one just because honestly, I kind of like they brought in an actual rock singer for this and didn't get like all like fake music this time. They didn't re-record and just like have popular music with a different, a different singer. And it, the plot was so insane that I was sort of on board for it. I, I don't know. This one kind of worked for me. I love that the mob boss was just like, no, nah, I can't help you anymore. I'm going to give this one a five. Weirdly, and I know you hated the Renegades. I, for whatever reason, I didn't think this one was as good as the last one. I'm going to give it a six, but it was close. <laughs> six out of ten. Jordan, I can I can never tell what you're going to do. It's great. It's uh, any given day. It could go either way. Yeah. And they just caught me at the right time. All right. Um, Steve, you don't know this, or maybe you do. Auto Man has been really uh, tone aligned for Are us Are we here. warp driving? We're going to punch into yeah. the continuum drag computer yeah. <laughs> and see if we're taking the escape pod. So you're almost, here for this. Okay. I'm almost positive we are. That too killed us. I really, I, I watched these episodes. I'm like, fuck, they're going to jam out on me. We're not even going to do this episode. I'm going to be like, work drive. <laughs> if we go, I'm, I, I, I talked to the, with Luke about this off the air, and I'm very upset if we go because there's an episode where Auto Man becomes a stripper, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> All right, let me punch these into the computer. One second. Yeah, calculations must be done. If only you had a, uh, an auto man to run those numbers. If only I had my own auto man. He'd he show up and be like, uh, I'm out of power. I'm like, <laughs> why did you even show up? I, I used all my power on this tuxedo. There, there's one point where he's talking about like the air conditioners. Like it's a, it's a heat wave. And so he's like, I don't have as much power because of the people running the air conditioners <laughs> at night. <laughs> yeah, It's a real flaw. All right, you, are you guys ready to hear these numbers? Yeah. Jordan, you've, you've managed to hold on. The number is 5.02. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I should have given man. MTV a worse writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is so close to leaving. Oh, I can't believe I've got to watch more Auto Man. <laughs> Right. Okay. So the so the escape pod is right is when the ratings slip below, and then warp drive is five like, slip below five. Right, and, uh, warp drive we've never used. It's the right. it's the question. That's why we can just use any time. Sure. Any time. Right. I should just do it right now. <laughs> it's too late. You you already you already uh, punched in the numbers. <laughs> oh my God! We're gonna watch more Auto Man. I can't believe it. I thought for sure we were free. I'm sorry, Luke. Yeah. I'm sorry. I tried. Well, you know, that's that's a good way that if people have enjoying Auto Man, guess what? There's a little bit more Auto Man. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that wraps up for this episode. So thank you for joining us, Steve. It was a real pleasure. It was fun. And I think if people enjoy your conversation about Auto Man here, they're going to like androids and assets because you're you're very good at diving in deeper to like the social the social meaning and like the the historical facts around some of the shows you watch or the books you read. So you want to tell everyone a little bit about the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are uh, we're we're crap at summarizing, so we we just talk about things more thematically. I think. Um, but yeah, we, yeah. We're our our tagline is the political economy of science fiction, uh, and so that means we just want to talk about where's the money you know who how how are the deals working who has power who doesn't who gets screwed over and uh how do they sort stuff out when they disagree so yeah we can be found we're androidsandassets.ca and you can find us on all the 
major social medias, Twitter, Facebooks. We're not on Mastodon. We're not on Mastodon? What happened? You got kicked off? <laughs> they closed our server. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know how Mastodon works. But. <laughs> no, uh, well, I think people will really enjoy it. If you if you like this, but you want a little more in, in-depth discussion about stuff, I think you'll do all right with uh, Androids and Assets. We, uh, we have two shows. One is reviewing Deep Space Nine, which Continuum Drag was on for for civil defense when we reviewed that mm-hmm. so it's that was a very nice it's a great i someone gave me a comment about how 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 fun that was recently so uh, <laughs> oh, listen, oh, i got fan. listener feedback yeah that's right yeah just yesterday thank you mom <laughs> it was not my mom it was a it was a friend of mine but uh <laughs> but yes well thank you again steve for joining us yeah and listener you can, of course, email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on Automan. If you're so happy, we're going to have to watch at least two more of these. I know Jordan is. Uh, you can email us there. And, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we're going to have clips from the show, um, motorbike chases. Um, what else, Jordan? Uh, there's that part where he spins around on his motorbike. Um, Steve just mimed that for us. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, I don't know. There's some guitar playing. All the best stuff that Automan has All the has best stuff, yep. Only the hits. You can find that uh, at our social media. Continuum drags the handle there. Uh, until then, though, that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.